Okay, we're glad that you decided to come back one more time. Uh, we looked last week at an overview of the tribulation, six key aspects that will characterize what happens during this period as God tells us about the future. Uh, what I want to do today is look at key people, the people of the book of Revelation. There are some groups that and people that God really puts a spotlight on, and in chapter 7, we're going to see them. Now, one of the things that makes the book of Revelation a little more difficult than other books is that every other book has a very logical flow to it, development and conclusion. Uh, in the book of Revelation, uh, what John sees, it kind of goes from one place to the other. Uh, he's in heaven. He sees things that happen on, on the earth, and we get that. But now in chapter 7, we, we stop. It's, it's kind of like a parenthesis. You hit the, the pause button, and he just wants to introduce us to two groups of people that will be very important uh, during this time. And even though they're very different groups, they are connected, and so we want to see them together. Turn to Revelation chapter 7. That's where we want to begin our study today. And my clock is set. That's frustrating, too. Can't get through the material the way I'd like to, and I'm sure you're having, wait, 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 uh, moments. Uh, don't quit yet or stop here. But notice the first three verses. This is a pause. Heaven wants us to see a specific group of people. Chapter 7, verses 1, 2, and 3. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. They want total calm here on the earth. Verse 2, and I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying to them, hurt not the earth. Don't hurt the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, until we have sealed the servants of our God in their forehead. Okay, let's stop and think about this particular group. Like chapter 6, we are told in this chapter very quickly that judgment is coming. Uh, angels just still everything that takes place. They just want everything to be calm for just a minute. That's what we see here. There's another angel that, sent, uh, that ascends that says very clearly, now don't do anything yet until we have protected or sealed the servants of God. Don't do anything yet. Wait just a minute. We've got some work to do here. But it still makes it very clear that heaven knows there are hard days coming to this earth. Hurt is coming to this earth. And that's what we're going to be looking at as we go through the book of Revelation. Wait just a minute. Uh, before anything happens, it says that they are going to seal the servants of God. 
I like that phrase, the servants of God. Now remember, the church has been taken out of this world, but it doesn't mean that God is going to stop his work with men. God will have servants on earth during this period of time doing his work. God is going to do everything he can to help men and women come to Christ while there is time because God knows there's not a lot of time yet and what he does is incredible. But these servants are going to be serving him. It says that the angels are going to seal them in their forehead. In the New Testament, we understand from the culture as well as from the scriptural teaching that sealing, this work of being sealed, refers to identification as well as protection. Identification as well as protection. These people are being sealed so that heaven will always know who they are and they will always protect these men. You remember the world does not think much of God as we saw from chapter uh, 6 and uh, the seal where so many had been killed. They, they hate that. These men will need heaven's protection but they will be serving God. And as we look at them, we, we see that they, they must have a, a position of incredible significance to God's work on earth because they are sealed. They are going to be protected. But this idea of being sealed is something that speaks to us now. The Bible tells us that as Christians with our faith in Christ, we are sealed. And that when we trusted in Christ, we asked him to become our savior. It was the Holy Spirit that came into our life that brought us that new life, that brought us forgiveness, brought us a sense of God's closeness to us, Jesus' love. First time understanding this book as we begin to grow, having spiritual interest, all of these changes. The Spirit of God did that and is, continues to do that. Well, the Spirit of God that lives within us is our seal and God as he looks down upon this earth, as angels look upon men, they know exactly who belongs to God. And we'll never lose that. We are sealed, the Spirit of God, until the day of salvation. It means we'll never lose that. Ephesians tells us that. You walk down the, um, the road here in town or walk down the street or you're going into a store, people you pass, we can't tell who belongs to God and who doesn't just by looking on the outside. But the angels have no trouble God has no trouble at all. We are marked. Uh, we are identified. It has to do with ownership. It's also a signal to Satan, keep your hands off. They belong to God. And, and he can't. So that's, that's a wonderful thing. But these, these people are sealed. Now, an angel speaks. They're sealed. And now, taking a closer look at them, if you'll notice... In verse 4, and I heard the number of them that were sealed, and there were sealed 144, 40 and 4,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Juba, Judah, there was 12,000. You see the tribes there of Benjamin, of Gad, of Asher, and each one has 12,000, 144,000, 12,000 each from the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's just uh, it's very specific. It's very detailed. Taking a closer look, they will also be talked about in chapter 14. But at this point, let me just share with you 
that they are 144 passionate Jewish evangelists. They're going to take the message of salvation in Christ and what God is doing during this time, and they're going to cover the world. The whole world is going to hear from this, these men and be impacted. One of the significant things is they're definitely Jewish. That's why I have these Jewish pictures up here. They are definitely Jewish because they're from the tribes. But today, Israel, for the most part, they have no idea which tribe they belong to. Some may because of families keeping things intact, but for the most part, the nation of Israel, their, their centers of population have been destroyed, their records have been destroyed, their, um, their temples have been destroyed, and since the time of Jerusalem, it, they've lost track of who they are. But God knows who they are, where they are, and there are going to be 144,000 men who are going to be raised by God to blitz this world for Christ. And again, God is good. He's doing everything he can to help people come to Christ while there is yet time. And this is one of the great things that he will do uh, to reach out to men. And Jesus made a statement in the Gospels, uh, only after the world, the whole world heard the gospel with the Son of Man return, uh, then will the end come. Well, that happens during this time. Today, there are thousands of people groups all around the world that haven't, don't have the scriptures. They've never heard about God. But during this period, in a short period of time, 144,000 people, these Jewish evangelists, are going to take the message of salvation to the world and they will be successful. It's been wondered, sometimes discussed, uh, how do these men receive their call? Uh, how do they get started? How do they know what to say? Uh, all we have to, to surmise is going back to the, uh, the Old Testament and to see how God called prophets. Or think about the time when the Savior appeared to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and stopped him in his tracks and, and helped him to see the truth about Christ and commissioned him right there in the spot. There are those who believe that what's happened in the Old Testament and happened with Saul, Paul, is going to happen again. They believe that when the rapture takes place, that God will enable these men to see exactly what's happening, to hear exactly what's happening. They will receive their commission, and they will go to the world to explain to people what's happening, what's coming next. Because uh, you remember, they will also have the book of Revelation. The Bible will still be here. So there are 144,000, that's a big group, but the world's a big place, and they will blitz the world for the Savior. Let's notice the second group. This is a group, 144,000 that are on the earth, but notice what happens next. Verse 9, this is our second group. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, more people than could you ever count, from all nations, kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sit upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and, and about the elders and four beasts and fell down 
before the throne on their faces and worship God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. You have this incredible, incredible uh, worship scene. But John says, one of the elders, verse 13, said to him, what are these people who are clothed in white robes? Where'd they come from? And John says, remember this is his vision, Sir, you know, and he said to me, these are they that came out of the great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And they're being cared for as the chapter closes. <clears throat> Who are they? <clears throat> Who are these people? <clears throat> Where now the, the vision is in heaven. And... This is the same group that was looked upon in chapter 5, this multitude, the souls of those that were killed for the word of God and for the testimony, saying how long, you know, uh, they weren't complaining. They just wanted to know how this was all going to work out. <clears throat> now we have another glimpse of the same group. And what we have here, we have a group of people from all over the earth. I think that's very clear uh, because in verse 9, it says a multitude, nobody, there are just so many of them, you can't number them. But they come from all nations, kindreds, people. The word people is ethnos, ethnic group. Every ethnic group that's on this globe is represented here in this chapter. The next phrase, every tongue, every dialect the whole world is represented in this massive, massive group. People from all over the world. And it's just an incredible sight that he sees. <clears throat> and in verse 10, they are celebrating salvation. Did you notice that? Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. That's the Savior who died so that we could be saved. It is a celebration of salvation. That is one of the main themes through the book of Revelation <clears throat> and is one of the most important topics that people can talk about today. Uh, salvation is God's work of making it possible for us to be forgiven of our sin, to gain acceptance with God that Adam and Eve lost in the beginning. To be a salvation is gaining a reuniting of our lives with God in heaven. Adam and Eve lost that too in the garden when they sinned. Salvation is God's greatest work. That's been his only work that he's been focused on uh, since the beginning of time. And in heaven, when people celebrate, the thing they celebrate is salvation. You should be thankful for your salvation. First of all, I hope there's a definite time in your life when you know that your soul was committed to Christ, that you understand that he came to die for you, to be your Savior, uh, and that you put yourself in the Savior's hands to make sure that not only you could be cared for now, but forever, and that heaven would one day be your home. I hope you've done that. If you haven't, you really need to nail that down. The most important decision that anyone could ever make is whether or not they will believe in Christ for their salvation. And these people 
from all over the world are celebrating and rejoicing the fact that they did. Now put this chapter together. Here are people, 144,000, who are serving God. They're doing the right things. They are telling the world what the world needs to hear. <coughs> this other group that we see in heaven, even though they've been killed, they have believed that message. It tells us that the ministry of 144,000 is effective. They were successful. They did, in fact, reach the world. There are people from all over the world who are glad to place their faith and trust in Christ for salvation, but they've had to pay a price for it. When it says here, if you'll notice, that they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The Savior died on the cross to be faithful to gain salvation. These people are so committed to Christ and they understand exactly what's being presented to them during this last chapter of human life here before Christ returns. They want to be safe with God. The judgments will have an effect to wake people up, uh, to help them to think about their souls. People who are dying because of their love for Christ, even knowing that they're going to die, it just sends shockwaves through people so that they will understand this is something that they need to come to grips with. And it's just a wonderful thing to know that during this very difficult time, God is doing everything he can to bring people to Christ. And multitudes will understand what's going on because of the ministry of these 144 evangelists. And they will respond. And that would be so wonderful. When it talks about they are before the throne of God and serve him night and day in his temple, he that sit upon the throne shall dwell among them. Uh, it's a picture that we will see uh, even as the book of Revelation closes that God himself is with his people and he just loves them. He's just taking care of them. He's mingling with them. He wants to be with them. He's, he's not distant anymore. He's not in heaven and we're on earth. No, he is with his people and it's a wonderful thing to see that the plan of God for salvation is actually finding its fulfillment. People are at home in heaven. They are at rest in heaven. And they're so glad for that. It refers to them as being uh, arrayed in white robes. Uh, we see this in chapter 4, the 24 elders, they have white robes. We see it in chapter 6. I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. White robes, it says, were given unto them. We see the robes here again. The robes refer to, it's the reminder that people can have acceptance with God. They are fit to be in God's presence. But fitness for God uh, comes through the cross. Uh, Christ died so that people could have a way of salvation, the only way, because there wasn't any other way. There's nothing that we can do to cleanse ourselves from sin. There's nothing that we can do. Um, and that's why in chapter 4, when John sees the 24 elders, he hears the thunder, but they're not disturbed. He looks at God upon the throne. He sees the sea of crystal, the, this water before the throne. And it's 
taken from the tabernacle. And again, it's a reminder that just like the priests had to be clean before they could enter God's presence, we have to be clean before we can get close to God. And these all have. And because of their faith in Christ, because they have believed this work that God has done for them, they are now free to stand in the presence of God forever. Uh, whatever the soul is, there is enough substance that not only is it seen, now people will see, John said, I saw the souls of them. Um, white robes were given unto every one of them. There's enough substance to support clothing, but it'll be enough to know that we are safe with God forever. And it's all because of him. So in chapter 7, we are introduced to two groups of people, different, both a very large group, but they're connected. Jewish evangelists, 144,000 that blitzed the world with the message of salvation, that explained to people what's going on and what's coming and what they need to do. The other multitude, we see them in heaven. Unfortunately, they have been killed by the people who are on the earth uh, we learn something about the people who are in this world when we see what's happening here. This is the second time John has shown us this group. Uh, what kind of people are, are they like that would do this, that would kill people uh, for their faith in Christ? Uh, are they kind? Are they violent? Are they tolerant? Jesus said there's coming a time in the Gospel of Luke where the mother will betray the daughter to death. The mother-in-law will betray the daughter-in-law. The daughter-in-law will betray the, the uh, uh, mother-in-law to death. Parents will deliver their children to death. Ch parents will deliver their children. And you see all of this, and this doesn't make any sense. Those statements don't make any sense at all until you understand how bad people are going to be during this particular period. It's going to be awful. But people will. People will still come to Christ. And because of that, be safe with God forever. And the chapter closes by <coughs> excuse me, giving us a description of how wonderful God cares for them. How wonderfully Jesus cares for them. Okay, that's the end of chapter 7. You doing okay with this? I hope I'm not giving you more questions than what I'm trying to answer. But I'm hoping that the book of Revelation now begins to make some sense. Chapters 1, the great unveiling. We need to see the Lord in His majesty. He's coming back in power and great glory. And when He returns, it will not be the gentle Savior that we saw in the gospel. It will be the sovereign Son of God who's coming back to take control. We see in chapter 4 the rapture. There's coming a time when the people of God here now will be lifted off of this earth into the presence of God. It'll be the beginning of their eternal lives. We see chapter 5 where the Savior takes control. He takes the deed, the title to the earth, and all of heaven rejoices. In chapter 6 there's an overview. We're introduced to the key concepts, the key aspects that will be uh, that will characterize this particular time and now we're beginning to see key people 
people who will serve God, people who will believe God during this time. And as we move into the next lesson, we will move away from the people who are right with God and we'll look at the people who are leading the world in rebellion against God, who are responsible for all of these deaths and all of this persecution. That's what we'll see next week. Thanks for being with us. I hope you're doing okay with this book and with our approach. Again, I'm sorry we're limited, but we, we need to do this. So that's the end of this session.